Hi there, and I'm Fosa Sun Lesbian Cookie of Goddesses Media. I am your main host and presenter of Mythological Moments, and this is the Strike First Gaming Show. To the left of me, I have cosplay extraordinaire Kitty Kaboom, and to the far end, I have the CEO of Strike First himself, Cobra Kai Toad. To the left of him is Dr. B, Galaxy B, and once again, our special guest or presenter is Infernal Spyro. Thanks for having me. Of course, thank you for being here. Today we're going to do something a little bit different, and we're breaking off from doing our traditional um, presenting of fighting game community news, and we're going to get straight into our regular segments. So I'm going to start all the way at the end. What do you have for us in the toy department, Tom? Yes, yes, yes. I have a few items today. Oh, excuse me. I have a few items today. Um, this is something I'm bringing to you guys from Bandai, and it's from Tamashi Nations. Uh, Tamashi Nations, as you know, is a a subdivision under Bandai, which was uh, established 2007 in Asakusa, Tokyo, and they're dealing with a lot of realization and bringing in the Japanese-style influence into the toys, like really into the influence. As you can see, we have a Captain America right here who is very samurai, as well as Star Wars Darth Vader. So these two lines go into Star Wars and Marvel, as far as I know. Uh, I started collecting these about 2018, I believe, when I first started going to Japan. I started with uh, Deadpool, and I worked my way around to going hunting and hunting and found more figures, and now I'm deep into it. So let me show you guys a couple things. This is the one I started with. Uh, excuse me. I got this one from Kitty Land over in Harajuku. Uh, this is the Deadpool. I do not want to murder the names because... I do pretty well in Hawaii, but uh, in Japanese, I don't want to murder the names. But this is, I think, Kabukimono, Deadpool. I think I did a good job. Kabukimono. Yep. <laughs> uh, these things have around 15 points of articulation. Um, it's not that high for this price point of between $79 and $89. You know, I like the 30 to 40 point articulation, but the design on this is so beautiful. The sculpt job on it. It's uh, the design um, sculptor. The uh, director was Takuyuki Takaya, which did uh, the Kamen Rider uh, figures, also uh, Chigokin, and also he does some other things like Aliens. I have a Figma Predator that is highly valued high, and knowing that I see his work, I know why, because my Predator figure has a lot of detail. So uh, I figure that this has been out for a few years. Some of them are aftermarket. Uh, some of these you can still buy at all the websites, like um, Big Bad Toy Stores, uh, um, Premium Bandai, yeah. if you want to get some the, some of the newer ones, especially like the Mandalorian just uh, dropped uh, uh, for pre-order. And I think it's going to end soon, so you might want to get yeah. that. This one is the War Machine, which is a very beautiful. No one really does a lot of War Machine until lately because of the Avengers and Don Cheeto making War Machine more popular because everyone was just into Iron Man. Uh, very, very, very beautiful. Uh, everything is samurai based. So as you can see, let me bring up the stack. Samurai Sand Trooper. They do, uh, I think majority of the figures they do have to have helmets. So you will get your Darth Vader, your Phasma, mm -hmm. your Stormtroopers, Marvel characters that have helmets and masks. And then they remix it off that. So I haven't seen anybody Change. open face like a Punisher That's or anything cool. built in this. This one has That's the Taiko drums, Taiko Yaku, Stormtrooper. Very beautiful figures. Like when you get to actually, I don't, I don't open a lot of my toys. As, as you guys know, I'm an inbox collector. Sure. But when you see just the level of detail to each even little pixel, 
Like, it's very, very high quality. And I give it up to Takayuki Takaya for making this, and I will collect the rest of these until the end of time. Uh, I'm hoping that they will continue on all the other movies as far as Marvel, Avengers, anything else that comes out. Um, and even get to maybe some DC, because uh, DC doesn't get a lot mm -hmm. of love nowadays. Uh, yeah. Marvel Comics gets all the love, and we need some like Dr. Fates and some old school guys, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Dr. Doom? Dr. Doom, <laughs> my guy. But yeah, so uh, I figured you guys would want uh, want to collect these uh, if you like highly quality samurai style figures, especially. Um, you can't go wrong, Star Wars and Marvel for resellers. Uh, those are two highly anticipated brands for any toy or any figurine or any collectible of the sort. So you cannot go wrong by purchasing, even if you want to resell. So add this to your collection. It's very beautiful. Man, I definitely need a Black Panther one now. <laughs> yeah. Now that you mention it, Black these, Panther. These are gorgeous. These are really cool. I actually have a friend of mine who cosplays a Shogun Vader. And it it looks, his cosplay looks, he's been doing it before this figure came out. So seeing this figure is actually a real treat. That's really cool. I'm going to have to see if he knows about these because mm. he would definitely want this. So yeah. these are cool. And like I said, the posing, it's not like it's articulate uh, uh, as a lot of other toys, <laughs> but just the design of the toy standing is beautiful on its own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, I, and I'm a huge, huge, I have to take the mask off for this one, huge Star Wars fan. Um, <laughs> to see my favorite culture next to my own of the African rich inheritance of Egypt and Ghana and all of our cultures, Japan is my next favorite. You take Japan, you take Star Wars. I'm one happy camper. <laughs> now, when I start seeing Star Wars Egypt figures, now we're going somewhere. So, Star Wars, get at me, because I put that out there. So, um, if I see that, I'm taking you to court. You better believe it. Oh, also, <laughs> also uh, one figure that I would want to see in this line, and it is a helmeted character, has a mask, would be General Grievous with four yes. arms and four Ooh. lightsabers. Ooh. I bet you that's out. coming up. They that gotta would be very do dope. Grievous. That's fire. They have to. I like mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Count me in. Yep, and that's all for me for today, Cookie. That's uh, what I have to offer. This is an impressive collection you got here, I must say, you guys. Like, this is really cool. I know you don't want to open them. You shouldn't have put these next to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I am. Well, you, know you, just have to, you just happen to be at that end of the couch. Happen to be behind the scenes. I don't, want you, I don't want to make you sweat during the whole show. I'm sweating right now. Next, next time, <laughs> next time make, sure, make sure you pass them the other way around. Just make go that way next time. <laughs> well, I would like to see an Ahsoka figure in that likeness. Oh, just yeah. oh, what if they did like a whole female line? That'd be sick. All the Twi'leks and everything. You have like Amidala. the Lady Sith. You have Amidala. You got every ooh, patent pending, patent pending, patent pending. Just <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> no, that's cool. I wish I. I'm still learning about Star Wars. I'm not the biggest. I know that's your foray. I'm not the biggest fan, but there are some characters that have brought me into the fandom because I felt like I could emotionally connect to them. So mm -hmm. that's how I kind of got into the series. I think I'd like to see a Darth Maul figure. Oh, oh I have a Darth Maul. I actually, uh, there's, there's way more figures that I did not bring. I have Darth Maul, I have uh, Jango mm -hmm. Fett, Boba oh. Fett. Oh. I think I have another maybe two troopers, stormtroopers, and a dark trooper, and there's a few other Marvels. Is there, also. Is there a Darth Maul -gus? 
by any chance. Have they done that yet? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fun fun fact, my senpai who runs a uh, Renegades Renegade effects group up in North Hollywood, he's been doing like movies for like forty years. He makes all sorts of props and everything. He's actually like one of the last samurai left on this earth. This man is amazing. He's trained me in weapons and ways of the blade that I like didn't even know like existed and um, he's just one of my big mentors but he is the official Darth Malgus for Bioware he actually was the one I helped dress him in the suit and do his um, his veins and his paint for his head I would put in his contacts they actually did a flash mob for the old Republic game that came out mm. um, in like 2011, 2012, I think is when it came out that year. They actually did a flash mob in New York in Times Square. Oh, wow. And it was yeah. just a phenomenal, like, uh, cool thing they did, like, press wise for that. And then later that year, we dressed up again. I got to be like my own Sith character, and we were judging for uh, San Diego Comic Con. And he came out in his Darth Mongus and one of my friends I had dressed up along with us and we got to like be part of the judging that year um, under Renegade Effects under him and his wife Wanda so he's, he's just an awesome cool guy I can't wait for you guys to meet him one day got to bring him on the show or something you guys will flip out oh yeah he definitely bring some movie props and everything we'll just go nuts oh yeah cool full-fledged samurai on set come on <laughs> please I'll be super honored well, thank you. All right. We look forward to seeing your next presentation in the next episode. Moving forward. All right, Dr. B, what you got going on in fashion this week? Can you see me? <laughs> With all this camera, can you see me? No, uh, I'm just Is your name Cena? We're going to take the mask off. We're going to take off the hood, and we're back with another item. So okay. today, one of my favorite brands, we all call me the Bape Jedi, the Bape God. I mean, I have so many nicknames, I'm running out of room to put it on the screen. So we're going to bring you the Bathing Ape aka the Bape side bag. Now this is dope because it came with the Japanese uh, yearly calendar catalog for it. Mm -hmm. So you get a catalog that has all the rest of the season's releases plus you get the bag with it. Um, this bag's amazing. I hooked you up with your first Bape side bag which yes. is amazing. I remember. Um, yep so I had to make Thank sure you. that Cookie joined the family <laughs> um, of the Bathing Apers because whenever we go to Japan that's like our favorite store, one of the favorite mm -hmm. stores to stop by so shout out to Bape. Um, Strike First Gaming definitely uh, always loves you. This bag is so sick. You can kind of wear it on the back like a, as a big bag or you can wear it here on the front as a side bag. As you can see all my stuff matches. I got the full matching sets, wow. uh, the mask. Mm -hmm. That's custom right here. This is custom as well. This was a toiletry bag set that was customized to a bag. Mm -hmm. um, shout okay. out to Diana for Ooh. doing this for me. Uh, she's uh, Kazi, my producer's girlfriend. She has mm -hmm. her own uh, company called Anitasaur, which is uh, does masks and um, things like that. She took this authentic bait fabric and um, made it into this mask. Took this oh, yeah. toiletry bag and made it into a side bag. But this is actually released from bait and it's the same quality. Like it's amazing how she was able to stitch this nice. and put this mm -hmm. together. So make sure when you're in Japan, you stop by bait to grab something dope like this. These retail for anywhere from between 100 to $200 and sometimes it climbs even higher the older it is. Dope stuff. Oh, wow. nice. So, from what I understand, <clears throat> you know, I've I've been to Japan a couple of times, but it wasn't until I went on the trip with Strike First Gaming that you showed me these locations for mm -hmm. Bape mm -hmm. and Billionaire Boys Club. Right. So, what I'd like for people to know out there, if they may not know, mm -hmm. so Bape is 
stationed in Japan? Is that where they began? Yes. Okay. So the first vape store started in Harajuku, and then it spread all throughout Japan, and then after that it hit um, America and the rest of the world. Um, New York had a store, LA's had a store, you know, uh, the UK ends up getting a store, Taiwan, everywhere Thailand. else got stores, Thailand got a store, China, of course, has mm -hmm. their store, you, and I know you love that. Um, and then, uh, you know, they moved on to the West Coast having LA in time, and now they just opened one in Miami. So if you're in the United States, you can go to Miami, uh, New York, or LA to a vape store. Now, I have been petitioning um, I have been just gathering souls to get San Francisco a store. <laughs> we need a store in San Francisco for all the hip hop heads. And um, you know why Bape and uh, Billionaire Boys Club and Ice Cream are so important? They're like the staple brands of hip hop right now. They're doing the best in sales, and you're starting to see them everywhere. They went from something that was like a hundred dollars a tea now down to fifty dollars a tea, and now it's a little more affordable. So. I'm sorry, the way you said that, it was like gathering souls, remind me of the re the reveal the reveal video of Melina from Mortal Kombat 11. It was like, why are you here? A million souls cried out for my return. <laughs> I, I, I could not see that from right? A million souls cried out for this store's existence. I'm right. serious. Um, it's that serious. And uh, Tone knows, um, you know, this is one of our favorite brands. He rocks it all the time, too. Looks like one of the old WWF title belts, but... Um, I love it. Um, Vape's one of my favorite brands. As you can see, every episode I'm usually draped in it somehow. And um, yeah, it's our favorite store to stop by in Japan. So yeah, we'll be yeah. back soon on the next Strike First Gaming Tour. Um, coming to a theater and city near you. Man, I definitely gotta go to Japan. Another reason to go to Japan. This is, no, this is tournament ready. Is great. This yeah. is tournament ready. It's ready for your joystick, all your. If you go into the arcade, all your mm -hmm. change and. Okay, I want to see you fit something in there. Oh, you fight know stick. You want the fight stick mini? Could one of the minis could go in there, like the Hori. You're switching all that stuff. You're <laughs> <right, laughs> sure. The mini Hori. Yeah, yeah, like the mini Hori. Yeah, you can see that one. Yeah, just put that in there on the side. It's practical and it's stylish. I like stuff that you can use in tournament. This is great for when you're on a trip. You can put your um, battery packs in there. You can do all your stuff like that. Your wallet, your keys, all your stuff, so you're not carrying it in your pockets. Well, that's what the yeah, exactly yeah. what they do yeah. in Japan. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. This is this is useful. I like this. Mm -hmm. Hey, if it wins cookies, vote. It gotta be dope. A cookie approved. <laughs> cookie approved. <laughs> well, I, I should put the the, the C for approval. Yes. <laughs> you need yes. a new stamp. You need a big. Boom. Yeah. So how long ago did this bag come out? Um, this bag is a 2021 release this year. Oh, okay. Uh, I just had okay. this one in the so, beginning of the year. Yeah, it's nice. for the uh, spring 2021. So that's All why right. it's not so too it's crazy fresh. in price right now. And yeah. Then it'll steadily climb over the years. Yep, it will. And I love it. It has good material mm -hmm. and it's fresh. Back to you and the studio. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. This was the latest from Dr. B, Galaxy B, and his fashion tips. I like this. All right, moving on to you, Infernal Spiral. What I'd like to know from you, for the for the audience out there, is, uh, will you be? What is your next commentating gig, or what is your goal in terms of competing in fighting games as of late, since we're dealing with this whole COVID? So, um, I mean, at the time, originally, uh, I did commentating as a way to give back to the community, because I, I kind of think of like the North Cal FGC as like my second family. You know, they've done a lot for me in terms mm -hmm. of like, you know, I currently live in like F Champ's house and then um, usually they've helped me move or, you know, whenever I'm, mm -hmm. you know, in a bind, they've, you know, they've, they've been, uh, they treated me well. So it mm -hmm. felt like, you know, it was a way for me to like give back to the community. 
and you know kind of help out whenever I could most of the time um, usually I did the usually yearly we had the combat for a cause Mm -hmm. So like usually when it, like we we competed for free, it was mainly for prizes, you know, for like top three and stuff like that. But all the money went to like a particular charity, depending on the theme. Okay. So originally we did like breast cancer awareness in October, like a couple of years back. We did one for mental health awareness, mm -hmm. okay. and then we also did one for uh, Make a Wish. Yeah. Mm, nice. So I, I hopefully like when offline events return, that you know I'll be able to do those a lot more often because usually they you know they like having me out there. So at least for like the Tekken side of things. So hopefully you know we get the chance to do have more opportunities in that regard. But uh, also I think like the most recent big commentating thing that I've done aside from like the online tournaments was uh, mm -hmm. Fanime. Mm -hmm. So um, the la I went to Fanime last year. They had a Tekken 7 tournament originally, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll show up, you know, because I never really, that's like my first time in it, like an anime convention. Mm -hmm. What? Yeah. <laughs> this is my first time ever. Like, I, I usually see it, like, every so often, mm -hmm. but I never actually, like, went into but into one myself. Mm -hmm. So it was, it, was, it was a treat, so I kind of had a chance to, you know, look around, because I only bought a ticket for Sunday, because that's when they had the tournament. Uh, okay. So they had um, they had Smash first, then they had uh, Tekken, and then Soul Calibur. So I signed up for both Tekken and Soul Calibur at that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, originally, we didn't have the main stage, so um, when we... You were when in the it, gaming section, huh? Yeah. Yeah, you were, yeah. That's they, where, with anime cons, it's like uh, fighting games, they they have like a big arcade area. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then a side of that is tabletop. The other side of that is like FGC fighting games and where the tournaments mm -hmm. are. Yeah, because mm -hmm. they were kind of doing some of the like other stuff like Siege and Overwatch, mm -hmm. some of like the big stuff that people would probably um, know about compared to fighting games. Which was probably controlled by AFK because they was doing all that computer yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when it got close to top eight, we fought for it to be on main stage. And luckily, they had a time slot to where they could fit it on there. But it was only the top six. So I made top eight. I lost. Aww. I lost to somebody from Seattle, so I was like, no! <laughs> you were right there. <laughs> I was right there. Right. So, you know, they were doing the top six. Um, they originally at the time, uh, you know, one of the people that was originally commentating because they were uh, at the time I didn't know about it because they were doing it on the actual floor like they weren't doing it like, you know, regular style like you would normally see at a major. Mm -hmm. Right. So they, they needed help for commentating. I was like, okay, you know, and then a lot of my friends that, you know, went to Fanime at that time, they recommended me mm -hmm. to, to commentate because I was already starting to do it at like Sharkade and then you know when we had like the Wednesday night fight stuff and everything like that I started to do it a little bit more often so they recommended me for it. I was like okay yeah I can do it no problem and it wasn't until I realized that uh, we we got toward like the actual stage that it was you know in front of people and I was like oh snap because <laughs> usually I'll, I'll, you know when I was younger I was I was a very shy kid so mm -hmm. most of the time I avoided like any sort of like I wasn't as social <laughs> with everybody mm -hmm. especially like with women like normally I would freeze up whenever like a woman would approach me so it, it kind of had like those little nuances I've gotten better as time went on you know when it came to like my first job and all this other stuff so it kind of uh, built up towards like commentating and you know being able to come out of my comfort zone to do that mm -hmm. and speaking of which that's right now that you brought up your job if I'm right you, you was working at the casino 
Matrix for a good minute, right? Yeah, I was working there before. So you mean to tell me we couldn't get a Tekken tournament at Casino Matrix? We we tried. <laughs> we tried because like I was kind of mm. pushing for it, and uh -huh. like a lot of them were kind of fall. It's just because around mm. the time the original owner died, so they had a new transition to oh. a new owner. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, oh. this was like a, a year or so, like a year or so ago. So they mm. made that when they were making that transition, that was more of a priority when you know that sort of like i kind of proposed that sort of mm. thing to kind of bring people in because dave and busters was kind of doing that with like street fighter every so often when joe did the tournaments and stuff mm. so i figured it would be like a good way to kind of you know give tech in like you know some shine and you know because um, some people were visiting from like uh, Strong Style and stuff like that. There's some places to eat around here. I was kind of offering up some of the pros and everything like that. You had like the international people come in too, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they want to gamble. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, normally like in you know, some Asian countries, that's really, you know, you know, not legal. So most of the time people get to enjoy themselves whenever they visit like other mm -hmm. countries and stuff like that. So I was offering up all these pros and everything like that. They, you know, most of the most of the, the big heads were like on board with it, but you know, obviously due to the transition it kind of like, you know, mm -hmm. messed up everything. So I was like, you know, it's it's not that bad. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like the fanime stuff, um, a lot of it was just like improv because I wasn't used to like speaking in front of like an audience. <laughs> and like you see people were, you know, you're, when it comes to like people that aren't necessarily like interested in fighting games or like they're brand new to it, they're like within the casual level, because usually Tekken 7 is pretty good to look at. Mm -hmm. It's easier to follow, not that many people are, you know, confused as to what's going on, so it's a lot easier, it's easier on the eyes. Mm. So, you know, when you're trying to enhance that experience, you kind of want to avoid like notations and, you know, like the more complex stuff. Like mm -hmm. obviously, like punishing and stuff like that. Like you can't avoid some of those terms. So, mm -hmm. but it's easier to follow in that regard. But normally, you would have to like name moves yourself, kind of have like a lot of improv, and people were were enjoying it a lot. I think it was like halfway into the the actual stream that like I look back and the whole audience doubled in size since mm -hmm. when I last looked. I was like, oh. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I, I had a good time, and you know, a lot of people were enjoying it. Even the staff, you know, they wanted me to come for the next uh, mm -hmm. fanime before the pandemic happened. Like they offered me the card and everything, so if I wanted to commentate for for Tekken again, so it seemed like it was more of a success in that regard. To where we got fighting games on the main stage, people ended up enjoying it, and it's something that you know could be an option for them to look to down the road instead of like shooters right. or you know something else that's more mainstream that people seem to you know invest more time into and that's cool because that was a year that I actually missed I ended up going to combo breaker uh -huh. uh, in Chicago so and I missed the last two fanimes mm -hmm. in person because I was competing in Chicago yeah, so. that was the main reason why I went to fanime because I, I wanted to go to combo breaker that year but mm -hmm. obviously due to like financially you know you know how the Bay Area is kind of expensive in general, so yeah. I, w I was trying to at least save between like Combo Breaker or Evo, because I went to Evo almost every so single year since 2014. Local. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll just I'll just take the I'll take the L for now, and then save up for next year to go to more tournaments and yeah. stuff like that. Before, awesome. Yeah, before the pandemic happened. Well, thank you. Well, we look more to look forward to seeing more of your adventures. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. Yeah, and also, one, one more thing, so, you know, people can, well, they want to follow you on Twitch. How can they find you on Twitch and on Instagram? So, t for Twitch, it's pretty much the, the same thing, Infernal Spiral, uh, no spaces. 
Um, I, I do have an Instagram, it's the same thing, but usually I, I normally promote that through like my, my YouTube and stuff like that when I do my YouTube or my Twitch. I usually use my socials to kind of promote, you know, certain games and stuff like that that normally people don't get to, to see that often. Okay, so on YouTube it's... It's a, uh, you know, most of the, the socials now are like Inferno Spiral. I had to like completely rebrand everything cool. when I initially made the name. It, it, took, me, it took me a while because initially I just had Spiral and four numbers across <laughs> immediately <laughs> after. So it took me quite a bit to kind of oh. get something that would, you know, roll off the tongue. People still mess up the name though, but <laughs> at the very least people know me. <laughs> Well, when your viewers see this, they won't fuck it up this time. <laughs> I, think, I think Twitter's the only different one. It's just Spyro9824, obviously, mm -hmm. due to when I made the Twitter a long time ago. You make it once, you can't really change it. So yeah. I'm kind of just stuck with the, the Spyro9824 username handle, but it's still renamed as you know, Infernal Spiral. So you can, I mainly am on there more than anything, but I usually use like the Reddit and Instagram and stuff like that to kind of promote. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank All you. right, moving forward. Kitty, what's going on in cosplay? Um, actually, not much right now. Um, just doing my own thing, but it's a, it's something that we were talking about the last show that I wanted to continue on. And being a cosplayer, Again, love figures. You're, you're talking to somebody, you know, just just like, um, you know, Cobra Kai, like, we love collecting figures. And a lot of people know me. I'm the girl who has the room that looks like a store in uh, Akiba because I've got display cases and I have all of these different gotchas and figures that I've been collecting for, like, the past 30 years, ever since I was little. Um, some of my pride and joys are actually like um, I have the Street Fighter Zero Canon Ryu and they're about this tall and they're they're fully clothed and just like some of those old-school th uh, third strike figures uh, that actually had like cloth articles that was like such a big deal when they came out mm. the fact that I went to stores like Frankensons and Game Cave to like get these items mm. and um, there's there's actually a couple of Capcom dolls that got away and they are the vampire hunter dark stalkers mm. there was a morgan a felicia and a dimitri they were about this tall uh dimitri his cape was fabric uh morgan actually had like doll hair and uh the felicia mm. the felicia was gorgeous she was she was the most plastic one she didn't really have any fabric or anything and they had a figure of her and her nails were broken and a part of her hair was chipped and they were still trying to sell her at that time in the late 90s for like $80. Like I wanted to get this whole collection and funny enough, you guys are bringing up Fanime. Fanime, one awesome thing about Fanime, and I don't know if you went, but did you go to the Fanime Swap Meet? I did. Well, yeah, because like they had like the little sections of food and everything like that. And yeah. I was like, man, I just don't have the money right now, because like that's what I wanted to do next year was actually um, experience it a little bit more mm -hmm. and kind of you know yeah. dive myself well, deeper into it. Well, the Swap Meet is actually outside in a separate mm -hmm. building from the convention center. 
That's so where like they you, have the hemp condo. Oh, yeah, so I probably so was looking at the different... Know, yeah, you were probably just looking at the dealer's hall. Yeah. But that was next... They always have the food in the dealer's hall in there because our friends at Okamoto Kitchen, you know, are Okamoto. always there. Yes, good old Okamoto. FGC, yes, delicious sir. food. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> got to rep Okamoto Kitchen. They're the homies. So anyways, but if you go outside of the convention center, there's that other little side building where they have like events or expos there too, and that entire building is dedicated for the Fanime Swap Meet. Oh, okay. I love shopping at the Fanime Swap Meet more than the mm -hmm. dealer's hall. Why? You guys, there are so many gems that mm. people have that they've been holding in, you know, tubs or whatever. I have friends that have been collecting like all the, like, 80s toys, the He-Man toys, the My Little Ponies and everything, and they go there and they will and deal. Then they get like a few grand and then they'll go like buy the main figure they wanted, you know, in the dealer's hall or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the Fanime Swap Me is wonderful because you can find so many rare gems. Um, I've been searching for one gotcha collection for a long time. I got it there for $5. This thing retails for like over 100 or even more for the entire set. Mm. Some dude's just selling it for $5. I got so many cool figures, especially like old retro figures. Um, I got a couple. The last Fanime in 2019, I got like uh, bastard figures. I got little Capcom Darkstalker gotchas. I just got all sorts of great stuff. Even a rare Utena illustration book, the movie one. The oh, big I have one. that. I have yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, speaking it's, it's speaking amazing. about that, speaking about that swap meet, it mm -hmm. is it's the place to go for collectors. Um, they try to organize it in a way where all the toy, all the toy sellers are in one spot, mm -hmm. all the anime yes. sellers are in one spot, and all those that are selling music mm -hmm. and console games are in another spot. Yep. And that is the place you want to be for Friday, mm -hmm. because oh. that is where all the deals is at. And in fact, some of some rare. DVD anime box set since you're starting to rediscover classic anime for yourself. Yep. That's the place to go to get the DVDs, the laser discs, the VHS tapes mm -hmm. because you'll find them there between two bucks to five dollars yep. at max maybe thirty forty and it's a it's a haggles union so you can haggle with the people especially yes. if you're gonna you know buy multiple items. Mm -hmm. Sadly enough uh, a lot of uh, uh, weebs nowadays they don't know how to haggle so if you actually knew how to haggle mm. you have the advantage because a lot of people are too shy or too passive-aggressive to be like uh, can I get this for like 20 there's a dent on the box you know like it, it it's like forcing them with a gun to their head trying to like get a deal for themselves mm -hmm. like I my friends there I have a few shy friends that can't you know haggle so they're like kitty come with us please and I'm just like how much is that figure all right well you know it's kind of faded it looks a little faded right here there's a dent on the box yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll give you I'll give you 10 for it 10 cash right now and then they're just like all right okay. so my friends are like thank you kitty these are the same people I take to the LA Garment District, also a haggling place. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the mm -hmm. men there are more aggressive. Yes. So, and they'll always be like, how much fabric do you want? How much fabric do you need? And I'm just like, I don't need any. I'm just looking. No, no, no. I give you a good price. I'm just looking. 
Do you have this? No? All right, then I'm just looking. So, you know, you just have to, you build that up. Mm -hmm. if, you know, you grow up in L.A., you're part of SoCal. Haggling is just one of those things from going to swamp meets to garment districts mm -hmm. everywhere, mm -hmm. uh, growing mm -hmm. up as a kid in L.A. It's almost to the point of harassment because I, I was there to the garment district several times. And yes. This uh, one guy walked thing. up to me to sell me rabbit fur, and it was fake rabbit fur. He's like, no, it's real. It's real. I'm like, no, it's fake. This is real fur. Yours he, is it? He was. He, he picked the wrong person to tell. <laughs> 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 it was bad too. Hold Nobody question, warned you. Kitty, I have a question. So speaking <laughs> of fabrics and garments, what, what's up with your hoodie? That's such a oh, sick hoodie. Okay. I just kind of wanted to get okay. a little backstory All right. on that. So if you fire. guys, if you guys didn't notice already, this is my "Are you okay?" COVID <laughs> outfit. So. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> This is, my, this is my staying safe in Southtown outfit. I'm very proud of what I'm wearing. First of all, I want to thank my homie who bought me this off my Amazon wish list for, um, for my birthday. That was like last week. And um, if you guys want, uh, I do have an Amazon store and I do have a bunch of customized <laughs> lists. And if you want to get this hat, it's in my list. It's in my cosplay list So you and my COVID safety list. So you can, you can get the, the setup that I have. And I also also got to thank another one of my friends, Matt, because this is the Terry Bogart, Are You Okay? shirt. <laughs> I love that. You got the whole set. I tell you, don't, don't mess with me in my SNK fashion. Now, um, I am going to tell you, I don't, I don't want to do this and make it awkward, so I'm just going to stand up, okay? I'm just going to stand up. I customized these uh, Geese Howard leggings. Wow, right. that's crazy. No, it's not Attack on Titan, it's Geese. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alright, come on. <laughs> come on. I got my leggings on. I'm very predictable in that sense, yes. And then, this is what I was talking on one of the other shows. Let me get my hair out of the way. I have like 50 pounds of hair. I'm sorry, you guys, but anime hair. That's, that's the life. Alright, this is the official hardcore um, chocolate uh, cross SNK um, hoodies that they have in Japan. Hardcore Chocolate is an awesome brand. And there's, you know, Ripper and Hopper and thank you. And mm -hmm. of course, you've got the classic scene on the back. Geese Look out of the box. In the chair. So <laughs> this, and I also, they have uh, Hardcore Chocolate. Please look them up. You can buy them on the SNK online shop. Uh, you can get this through Zen Market. Hmm. Um, they have shirts of these prints, they have other hoodies, they have a really cool metal slug hoodie, they have a My Shiranui hoodie, which I have refused to open and wear yet. I think I'll never, I think it's just going to be a collector's item with all of her artwork and what I love about that hoodie is one of my favorite artists, Falcone. His artwork of her maximum impact outfit is on the front really? and it's really, really beautiful. Uh, Hardcore Chocolate has been working with SNK over the last few years. Um, they like premiered at Tokyo Game Show, and that's you know where this hoodie came from. Thank you, my little brother, for grabbing this for me when I couldn't go. So they they have some really great items. Um, just you know, it's geese, so I had to get it to complete the outfit. But they have other characters. They also have Athena too. Um, yeah, Hardcore Chocolate has some really cool stuff, and the fact that they did a collaboration with SNK, it's it's really awesome that you can get like these really stylish clothes. They have their own uh, unique like 
style and brand to them. And of course, different colors. Like geese came in my favorite colors, so I had to get it. But they do like the purples, black and whites, or the teals. I have an orange like based one for uh, Metal Slug. Mm -hmm. I, um, I'll, I'll put up links and everything in the Discord so you guys can check it out and shop away because they have some really cool SNK gear. And I've been waiting too long in my life to wear some badass like SNK based clothing. And I really love how SNK is doing this right now mm -hmm. because their merchandise over the past like four years has been pretty godlike for, you know, acrylics, keychains, clothing. They have the $400 beautiful Haomaru like Sukijan jacket, all mm. made of silk, fully embroidered and everything, all matte. They, I could go on for days, but go on ahead, check it out on the SNK online shop. They have a Twitter, they're on Zen Market. You guys can find all sorts of neat, go neat goodies. The only thing I'm waiting to get, which a buddy of mine grabbed for me, um, last year in Japan was they actually came out with Terry Bogard, Kyo, and a few others hand sanitizers. So yeah. I'm just waiting for my <laughs> Terry hand sanitizer, and I also got the Terry cologne. So uh, no, <laughs> no, you okay the scent? Yes, uh, oh it's my God. The, okay? the scent, but, oh, no. the essence of Southdown. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, again, and and that stuff sold out. So you gotta Jesus. you gotta be on top of this. Just yeah. yeah, it's it's amazing. I love what SNK is doing. But going back to our conversation from my outfit, it's that figures. Mm -hmm. What else do we love more than our merch? It's figures, and I would have loved nothing more if like Bandai Namco busted out some Soul Calibur six figures. Mm. Like they had everything else, yeah. And you know, I was talking to somebody who works with them, and they're like, "Yeah, if there was merchandise that you wanted, what would it be?" And I just dropped this list down to the floor. I'm just <laughs> oh, yeah. like, uh, "Okay, first off, we need figures. Second of all, some shirts, some keychains, some acrylic yeah. badges, stuff to go into my Eta bag. You know, a couple of plushies, a cute little side jokes. Maybe you want a little collection of the statue swords of everybody's weapons. Like, I just went off. Yeah. But I really, and and I know, I know. Ever since like he came out, the only reason I played Soul Calibur Six is because of Bro. Gro came out, I got my hands on him at E3. I was like, this is my man. This is our future together. This this is working, <laughs> yes. So I would have loved, damn it, I would have loved a figure of him something. We've got nothing. Yeah. If you were lucky, you got the promotional shirts. I got it. Me too. The one, the one, one with the stick that looks like it's ketchup? I got that oh, one. Oh, no, no, that's an Arby's collab with him. I got that one. I got that one, okay, too. Yeah. All right. I had to finesse hey, that one, hey, too. I, I, had to I entered that. the same contest you did. I entered the were, same were tournament. We the same, were we in the same pool or no? I, 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 I saw you, right. though. No, I saw you yeah, Of course you did, because yeah. I had to play Grove. But, right. you know, no. That I was, whooped a few people in that tournament. I still got a shirt. Yeah, well, everybody got the I, shirt. I don't believe I was there for that. I'm missing this one. This was Evo 2018. And they had the Soul Calibur um, exhibition tournament that they did, and if you it, were in it, you got a shirt. And mm. the shirt they were they were that's when they were doing a lot with Arby's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, the Arby's did this really great T-shirt. It's a fight stick, but it's made out of Arby sauce. Mm. Wow. And that was a shirt. The the other Soul Calibur uh, I can't talk Soul Calibur promotional shirts I'm talking about are um, if you went to any of the ring out events. We had one in SoCal 
-hmm. and it was um, it was really cool. They rented out this like studio space. You got to play the game. There were exhibition matches. Um, you know, they had really cool food, mm -hmm. and uh, they also like if you got into VIP, you got an Ivy shirt. You got oh, a nice. Soul Caliber Six Ivy mm. shirt, and then everybody else who came to the event mm. got a Voldo shirt. Oh, okay, that's cool. But that's it. Where's the rest of our Soul yeah. Caliber merch? <laughs> yeah, the kind of dropped You know, yeah, like yep. yeah, every, and that's the thing. That's this is what I'm going to. It's just like these companies are losing, you know, connection with their fans and what we want. Mm -hmm. And what we want is figures. Mm. Like I'm begging. I am begging people at SNK to please make Sam show figures. Like, I need me a Darley dagger, okay? This big, <laughs> this big, you know. Just, One chugging. Yes, I just, I just want something to pray to every morning that is Darley, just like bless. But, but it's so cheap. I know, right? But it, the thing it seems is, like we may have to save that for we probably a, a, a third a third part to your collab on talking We're, about yes. toys. Because because again, these these are key elements to the community. You know, I know figure making is expensive. Uh, my uh, a friend of mine was a former owner of uh, PCS Toys, so I I get like a lot of figure information and things like that from him and talking to him all the time and I know it's not an easy thing but even I've asked him um, in the future like if he does make another uh, toy company he's already asked me what do I want and trust me I've given him the list I've given him plenty of lists mm -hmm. uh, for Soul Calibur and for uh, Samurai Showdown and right now there is a company in China that's actually making King of Fighter 14 figures and they are amazing and um, yeah again I'm gonna have to sell another organ to like get the whole collection <laughs> but it's gonna be worth it you know my car is not running but damn my room looks cool right <laughs> I think I, I talked to like uh, Michael Murray about like the, in terms of the merch stuff. Yeah. And sort and like they he tagged like the actual like person that's kind of like in charge of that particular stuff. So mm -hmm. hopefully like you know I might have to contact him and see if uh, you know we can get something going. Um. Yeah. Send them my way. <laughs> please, please send them my way. I I would love to talk and brainstorm. Yeah, I can tell you that. Wow. Nice. Well, thank you. Whoa, that was a lot. I guess we're going to have to revisit this topic again with you I'm about these toys. I'm telling you, I've got, like, I've got like the anime sagas of topics here. They're just Dragon Ball continuations. <laughs> it's just got episode after episode. It's going to keep going forever. It's going to keep on going. 14 episodes, I, one I fight. Think in time, <laughs> I think that in time. On the next kitty segments. Is just I think in time, yes. you know, eventually we'll get the toys that you're you're talking about because I would like to have a Dolly uh, Dagger figure, and of course yeah, we all too. want our Makoto figure from Samurai Spirits Warriors Rage, which mm -hmm. will happen at some point, I believe. And I yes. think at some point we SNK, only have one. I think at some point SNK will finally release those the three D collection of the sagas that's actually hindering Samurai Spirits from being Hopefully. truly complete. So, mm -hmm. so thank you, thank you for sharing. That. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm still looking for that Mikoto figure. I kick myself in the butt every day. I didn't buy it when I should have. Mm. But hopefully, I'll get it, and hopefully, I'll show it off here. Cool. <laughs> All right. And for today's mythological moments, I'm going to go into the latest release of what just got released on the Nintendo Switch, which is Nintendo's collaboration with SNK to release the Neo Geo Pocket Collection. So. 
what made the Neo Geo Pocket Color so great is that the the buttons on it were convex. So this is how it looks. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, they're convexed and they, they stick out on purpose because it's two buttons and what are you really going to do with two buttons and the option button over here. Options is really the menu button. <laughs> It's, not, it's, really, it's really simple. It's not really much to it. It's really the menu button. But I guess for a lot of the fighting games here that you would play on this, you would tap A and get a light punch, press mm -hmm. A, get a hard punch, tap B, get a light kick, and then press B and get a heavy. You know, and I guess uh, the way they're trying to translate the game onto the Nintendo Switch is the buttons don't raise like this. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit difficult to get that on the Nintendo Switch unless you have the Pro Controller. If you use the Pro Controller, then you can get that same effect that you get on this because the buttons on the Pro Controller actually stick out. Mm -hmm. So what most people don't know is... I'm, I'm loving the fact that you have the outline sticker frames. Oh, in, yes. And you have... That, that, was, a, that was a separate... Yes. That was a yes. separate uh, buy at one of the game stores in Chinatown in New York City. And what I have here is the link cable to transfer the information from SNK versus Capcom, which is what I'm basically talking about here. Is this was technically the second game of release in the versus series of mm -hmm. Capcom versus SNK. This was released before CVS2 and right around the time that CVS1 happened. So they came about about the same time. So what makes this actually special is that there's a, there's a storyline that's ingrained in this that doesn't show up in the actual Capcom versus SNK game mm -hmm. in the arcade where the characters here have designated rivals. So Morgan's rival is Nakaruru mm -hmm. and Sakura's rival is Yuri. And of course, Kyo Kusanagi's rival is Ryu and then Terry Bogart is Ken. Mm -hmm. It, it goes like that in order and so on and so forth. And as you play the story mode, they exchange all this different dialogue that caters to them and their rival. And of course, to get the true ending of the game is if you beat your rival, you get to face the actual true boss of the game, which comes after Bison or Geese, which is either uh, Violent, Violent Ayori, uh, Orochi Ayori, and then, or um, I think a true Akuma. So once you, once you beat one of the, the, the actual main boss of the game, you get the real ending, and every character has a separate ending. Mm -hmm. And it's really cute because you get more of an ending in the pocket version of CVS1 than you do in the actual arcade. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I wanted to bring this book out because this book is so important because somewhere on one of these pages, it's in Japanese, though. So, oh, here it is. Here we, here we go. It reveals... It's in Japanese, but it specifically talks about the secret between the Capcom version of Card Clash Fighters and the, the SNK version of the Card Clash Fighters, in mm -hmm. which if you collect all 300 cards from this one and the 300 cards from this one, and then you transfer that data through this link cable right here into this Dreamcast with Match of the Millennium 99 or CVS1, the actual arcade game, you then can take the secret that they will get you in that game and retransfer that information back into this cartridge, back onto that handheld device and unlock some secret characters. Something that I still have not yet to do today only because getting all 300 cards from each of this game, which is a total of 600 cards, is very difficult to do. Mm. Yes. And here's, here's another fun fact. I just yes. realized that when I downloaded this game for the Nintendo Switch, 
they took this page out of the digital mm. manual. Ooh. Ooh. They took this page out. See, I see everything. But you can still unlock the characters? I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know because that page that tells you about that secret is right mm -hmm. here. Right there. Cookie and I have talked about this, making this one of our life bucket list missions to do. <laughs> is actually take our Dreamcast, take our Neopockets, and actually collect all the cards and unlock all of these secret characters. And this so. and this is another side card game here, which mm -hmm. has nothing, you can't really transfer no data from this, and it's known as um, King of Fighters Battle to Paradise, mm -hmm. which is another rare um, game that was only for the pocket. So maybe, perhaps we'll see an English translation of Battle to Paradise yeah. um, from SNK onto the Nintendo Switch and such. And, you know, I wanted to bring this here to show that I have the link cable mm -hmm. that goes into the back of the Dreamcast right here. Something in there? Yeah. No, there's nothing in there. Yeah, and um, and that's how the data is transferred. And this was my carry case from back in the day with my cheap $5 squiggle light, which of course was worthless. <laughs> now, of course, with all the new modifications and the technology, you can now get a backlit light with yes. a new screen yes. and see everything in the dark as if this was a Sega game gear. Mm -hmm. Nice. But much nice. more efficient. I'm actually in one of those communities on Facebook where they do that. Mm -hmm. So if you need any information, let me know because I've been needing to do that too. And I'm I'm terrible because I do not know where my back battery case is. Because I have the, the blue, stone blue camo one, mm -hmm. the camo looking one, the stone one. And I need to find my little battery cover. But yes, I still have mine. I, I cherish my Neopocket. I love it so much. This is like one of the best devices. Well, I, I t I'll out. tell you what, because I know I'm, I'm in the I'm in the market to getting a new Neo Geo Pocket Color. And uh -huh. I really want the most rarest one that's out there, which is the um, uh, Anituka Tiger collaboration with SNK. Mm. Onizuka Tiger has the most rare version of the Neo Geo Pocket Color, and it's the striped tiger, and on and all on the long stamped on the back says Onizuka Tiger. Nice. And I'm not a really big sneaker person. I'm not a sneaker person, but my friend Chris Sandoval from back home, shout outs to Chris, back mm. home in New York City and Brooklyn, continue to rep Brooklyn, <laughs> is that. Um, He's a big Anituka Tiger sneaker fan mm. because I guess Kenny Omega, that's like his favorite sneaker of all sneakers oh. and you can only get that in Japan. And I like things that are rare. I don't like yeah. things that are typical. So I, he kind of made me a Onizuka Tiger sneaker fan. Along I, with I love Onizuka Tiger because they did the Tokidoki collaboration and the sneakers I was wearing on one of the earlier shows, those were my favorite worn out like Onizuka Tiger Tokidoki sneakers. Mm. I love them. I have like three different pairs, but they're, they're great. I'm, I'm hoping they come out with another collection soon because I need new shoes. <laughs> cool. Cookie. Yeah. Um, question. For the Neo Geo Pocket, yes. wasn't, wasn't there like an all-black design that pre, uh, predated that one, the original one? Yes, the original one was in black and white, and they had mm -hmm. all these different colors. They had like stone blue, stone black, stone gray. They had all these different colors. And in fact, some of the first iteration of fighting games, King of Fighters R1 was for that. Mm -hmm. And Samurai Spirits, the first game was for that, which mm -hmm. Shiki was an unlockable character in which you had to like press yeah. option and rotate this shit like 3,000 <laughs> 3, times to unlock her in black and white. No, I remember that. Um, and then of course, uh, they did the special release of the second version of Samurai Spirits 2. Mm -hmm. If you like pre-ordered the new Sam Show 2019, uh, you, and you got, got it for, for Nintendo yep. Switch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, so that was that was pretty cool to see, but yes, they they did. Yeah. Um, I wish they did more with the system. I have all the fighting games.
to this system. Uh, they're all now inexpensive. They once sold this at Toys R Us as a bundle package for yep. like, f I think about a hundred dollars or four hundred bucks. You got like five games in the bundle. Mm -hmm. They was just they just couldn't sell it, and then S and K just didn't have any marketing for it in America. Yeah. Uh, for my birthday, my mom got me this. I remember I wanted a, a Game Boy Color because I wanted Killer Instinct. Mm. Mm -hmm. And um, instead, she got me this. And in the beginning, I was I was tight. I was mad. <laughs> no, I was. I remember. I was like, I, I was, was ready for Killer Instinct. I, mean. I was I was ready, but then she got me three games, and I was kind of digging this handheld. And I was yeah. like, okay, but you know, S and K is really just S and K properties. Nintendo is. You know, it's mm -hmm. Nintendo is plural. They're versatile. Mm -hmm. You can have all kind of games for Nintendo. SNK is just SNK stuff. You know, and their library ends at some point. Right. Yeah. And that was the only thing that made me upset. And of course, as usual, you know, with the Neo Geo Pocket Color, the the library ends at some point. Oh, so. See, I had to get a Neo Geo Pocket Color because you know CVS was just amazing. So when these when the neo or the neo pocket color came out i was like i need this i need match of the millennium i need i need gal fighters i need you know the all the card game clashes like i had to have it so i this this turned out to be my favorite gaming system and the fact that you know it it oh. had all the mini games oh, and the original sticker price like, is so still great. on there yeah, this was sold for seventy dollars back in the day. Um, I remember. And people are wow. complaining still about seventy dollars. Yeah, yeah, I would. Like, I'm complaining now. And I was. <laughs> <laughs> and, I I'm actually, call, and I'm what you call a baller. I'm just saying. I and I, you know, and I actually, I actually paid for it when they did the English translated versions. I had, yeah. the, I had the English version of this. And I was saving my mm -hmm. allowance. My mom gave yep. me five dollars a week, and it took me about several months because I knew they was coming out with this. And I was running to the store when I got out of high school, mm -hmm. running to the game store to say, "Hey, please hold this for me. Please hold this for me." I'm like fifteen dollars short. Aww. I'm now ten dollars short. Yeah. I'm now five dollars short. I'm now twenty-five cents short. Like, and the guy was really nice and he saved it for me. And on one day. During, I was in high school, and during my lunch break, we get to go out for lunch. I had the money, and I ran over to the game shop, and I got it, and yes. came right back to school, and kept my, kept my lunch. I wasted my lunch to get this game, to just sit down and just read the book. I was all like, <laughs> like this. <laughs> and, and the English, the English book is actually thicker than this. About it's yeah, like this, it and I was like, "Oh, this book is thick." <laughs> I was all like this and everything. <laughs> I was the excitement. Like it was like it's so real. Know, but it was at a time where you know cell phones didn't go on the internet. Yep. Everyone read books. Yep. People were more knowledgeable. People was ready to get because it, all the knowledge was in the book. Was ready to share it. You know, and that's how... We had Game Informer. We Thank had you. Oh, yes. Okay, that's how we got our Game news. Pro. Okay, that's <laughs> no, how we got our news. There was no, there was no uh, social like, media yet. No, there was no. So not. I read... EGM. Oh, so I remember. EGM. You might as well say Nintendo Power. I mean, why and, not? And no, I was there for Power. Nintendo Power. I know, yeah. I know, but, you know, that that was in the, the olden days. days. The, the, the beginning, days. that was Funko Land days. Right. Yep. So. <laughs> and, so. and, and, and before. Yes. So. So thank you guys. That is my mythological moment and how this game 
uh, CVS for the Neo Geo Pocket Collar came game. to be, and the story behind it, as yep. Geese Howard teams up with Shadowloo Bison to sponsor the most strongest tournament in the world for martial artists, where of course they want to steal bodies at the end of the tournament and try to create themselves immortal. Yep. That's basically yeah. it. That's basically <laughs> it. So, <laughs> so. That's it. Just my still man, my man Rubles jealous. <laughs> you know, he's not even in the game. He's not no, even he's in the even game. See? Not even, not even unlockable? He well, no. He's wow. not even in, They didn't even put him or go with Nitz. He's not even in the game. Oh, wow. No. No. I'm mad at that. Rugal, huh? I'm not even a Rugal player, but I'm The original terrified. collector. <laughs> right. Right. So, which brings us to our discussion yes. of the day. So this is um, an I have to start off with a preface for this so we can understand what's going on. Just recently there was a documentary by Vice TV talking about uh, the fighting game community. And that documentary showcased a little bit of New York, a little bit of LA, and just talked about uh, how people got into the FGC while also touching on some of the discrimination that went on in the beginning mm -hmm. for the LGBT community, for transgenders, yep. and for women. And you know, in, in cosplay and playing video games amongst men, that was really a, a male-dominated esports before esports. Yep. And they try to address all of that in this two-part documentary while not really, while it seems like they forgot a lot of the history Mm -hmm. And they didn't include a lot of details. They kind of just grazed over stuff mm -hmm. and had only interviews from uh, various sources. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, today's discussion is the discussing of the FGC, the fighting game community, or martial arts gaming community, and our duty to fulfill and fill in the missing gaps of that history. So what we're doing here is we're going to touch on how did we get into the martial arts gaming community and what did we contribute to this because somehow we're missing yeah. and Vice's documentary and I want to make sure that there are things that are not lost so we have to start creating our own history so that these bigger names that are trying to write our history for us doesn't lose the details mm -hmm. <clears throat> alright let me start it off so uh for us in San Francisco, I grew up in a Visitation Valley neighborhood, and Visitation Valley has a, 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 a good amount of Asian population, so when um, fighting games first came out, uh, it was for us, it was Street Fighter 2, and the whole neighborhood was competing, so whether it was at a liquor store, uh, at a convenience store, wherever there was a Street Fighter machine, you would catch 50, 60 of us all waiting in line. It was even to the point where people even had um, just rented out just empty spaces and then put a couple arcades in and we would just fill the room. So it was a lot of competition built from that. Um, we had the kings of the neighborhood, we had the guys that were up and coming, we seen people come from nothings to they are the gods of the neighborhood. So we have our own like uh, our own area that we competed in. And then from Visitation Valley, we would go all the way downtown to Market Street and go down to Fun Center. And that's when you got to everyone, you know, all, all the kids from every neighborhood would go down to downtown uh, San Francisco on Market Street at a place called Fun Center, which was uh, basically like a like an open, almost like an old New York uh, arcade, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, where it's just open to the street and then two sides all the way back down and then you would get everything, that's where our Mortal Kombat competitions were, everything. So.
for us, we have our own story. I know every region has their own story. San Jose, uh, Sunnyvale, LA, New York, the Midwest, Chicago, Texas, everybody has their own mm -hmm. um, stories of who became the kings. And I think what we need to do is have someone oversee all the regions and try and put it together almost like a Wikipedia, but people can chime in and it should be like, you know what I'm saying? It should be a, yeah. a, a, a round table of people that come together and should be voted in and then they can speak for the rest of us like how we do in the government. You know what I mean? Just mm -hmm. to get the story straight because mm. it's a lot that gets lost in translation. Like people don't know the kings of my neighborhood would go downtown and whip on the kings of wherever neighborhoods, but they don't know this, our neighborhood because we're a small neighborhood in the southeast side of San Francisco. We weren't the Fillmore. We weren't all the, you know, the big mm -hmm. popular areas. So I think someone should come together and try and piece it together. It may not work, it may work, but we should at least try. Okay. All right. Now, uh, y'all just tuned into the grandfather of this conversation in this room. Oh, I want to hear everything you um, got to say. Uh, this can't be covered in one episode because it would take forever, but I'll give the short story of it. Um, so I started playing in the fighting game community in the year 2000. Um, I graduated high school in 99, I was 18 years old. 2000, I was a fresh-faced 19-year-old. I walked into a tournament named B5. It was from a series of tournaments called the B Series, which is Battle for the Bay, which was ran by the fighting game titans like Jason Nelson, AKA X Relento, John Choi, Graham Wolf, Alex Wolf, the legends of Sunnyvale Golfland. They are the forefathers of all fighting games, and they are who kind of pioneered uh, the scene in the West Coast, and not just the West Coast, the world, because that was the formation of Evo itself. So I walked into B5, the game of choice, uh, CVS1, Capcom vs. SNK1. Okay. They also had uh, Street Fighter 2 Super Turbo there, uh, Street Fighter 3 Third Strike, and the biggest title of them all, Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Um, I walked in the room, I saw the names like Jason Nelson, um, mm -hmm. aka X Relento. You see Jason Wilson there, you saw John Choi, you saw Graham Wolf. You see in Alex Valle, even though that pains me to say his name. Um, it had a whole bunch of other people. Justin Wong, one of my greatest rivals. I mean, um, Duck Doe, the great champion of Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Um, the list goes on. APOC, um, one of the greatest players who played uh, Alpha series and uh, Super Turbo as well. These are all the forefathers of the fighting game community total. So I'm walking in, seeing these guys, thinking I could hold a light to them. And I get my ass completely whooped. Like, I didn't fight any of the biggest names, but I fought the sub-bosses of those names. Mm. Um, um, the very next year was the very first EVO, which was in 2001. Um, I was at that tournament, I fought, did pretty decent, got whooped there again. EVO 2002 rolls around, I walk in. I started feeling myself a little more because I started going to Sunnyvale Golfland playing against all the Titans. Um, made my way through the Capcom vs. SNK2 because that's the uh, second year it was out. I was fighting my way along. I kind of my name was up because I talked a lot of trash on the um, SRK forums. And for no one who knows what SRK is, it's oh, yeah. showareyoukin.com um, is where everybody um, was forum uh, was the forum where everyone uh, shared tech and talked and everything and posted their their handheld camera videos and stuff. There were no mm -hmm. YouTube or anything like that. Um, and um, I fought really hard. I made it to a prelim. And next thing you know, I hear Dr. B to the stage versus KSK from Japan. And I'm like, what? Wait a minute, what? 
So I was like, my friend's like, man, you're about to fight someone in Japan. He's like, you're going to win? I'm like, I'm going to crush him. So I get up on the stage. They're like, they're, they get up on there. I'm on one cabinet, which is an American cabinet. It has this big, long, like two cables. It's connecting to a small sit-down Japanese cabinet. My opponent comes up. He gives me a bow. I give him a bow. We shake each other's hand. We sit down and play. And I make history that year. I'm one of the first and only Americans in CVS2 that year to beat a Japanese player. Um, I went on to making it on the Evo DVD 2002. The very next year, I go to Evo. 2003 I fight my way up next thing you know the most predominant name in fighting games Daigo to the stage versus Dr. B so I'm like everyone's coming up to me you're gonna win you're gonna win I'm like I'm gonna crush Daigo I'm like Daigo who I'm not afraid of him because no one's talking like this like you know I really got it from my sensei uh, ex Relento, aka Jason Nelson he's like B don't ever be afraid of the Japanese players just play them like everyone else do what you do and make them confused you know take them out of the game I got up there fought Daigo I, I, I did all this stuff no one's seen. The crowds, ooh, ah, they're screaming. Every, every, every I hit him with a jab, ooh. It, it's crazy. I go down to a pixel of life with Daigo, the god of fighting games, in a best of one. They did not let it two out of three. It was only one. And he beat me by a pixel. But the moral victory was like from Real Steel, the movie. Like, everyone's like, you're the man, man. You always beat Daigo. Like, I had people come up to me, man, that match with Daigo is the best thing in Evo history next to Justin Wong's parry, you know, um, to this day. So that built some of the legend. And it opened the doors for more players to eventually beat the Japanese or hold a light to them. Because the very next year, Daigo got beat by a player named Ratio 1 Beatdown out of Canada. Mm. He stepped in and beat Daigo the very next year. And he tells me to this day, because I know Ratio when he goes, B, you opened him up for me. Open up the armor so I can get him. Because he's like, <laughs> everyone saw that he was vulnerable after you fought him like that. And you did it with S-Groove, the most unused groove in the game that everyone thinks is weak, that everyone says is bad. I took it to the god of fighting games with it. Um, these are small little stories <laughs> that built built over the years. So there's so many little stories mm -hmm. that are big moments in Evo yes. that that Vice documentary didn't talk about. They didn't talk about Jason Nelson taking CVS1 to Chikyu Sodom in 2001 in the finals, being the American that steamrolled through everyone to get there and almost beat them. Um, they don't get the stories of all the other organizers who were pioneers in like the transgender and gay community, like mm -hmm. Cookie is, and like other people who've and done Ricky so Ortiz. many. And Ricky Ortiz, one of my other rivals who's done big waves in the fighting game community and made huge impact that didn't get enough shine. Um, the, the stories go on and on, so that's kind of like where um, the fighting game community started, but now where it's at is a totally different place. You have different people who are involved, you have different hierarchy, and you have different rules that are in play. Um, so we could touch on this in further episodes, but yeah, it started off very grassroots. I mean, the FGC as a whole was about 500 people, mm -hmm. and now we're at what? thousands and thousands of people, millions worldwide, worldwide. so it's grown yeah. exponentially. Well, my mine is not as uh, crazy and <laughs> <laughs> you're giving me like a hard, 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 hard follow-up, but, but, but it's a story. It's a story. We want to get story. <laughs> but it matters. It matters. Almost it matters. So you know, I touched on it before. I kind of started off in 2014. You know, started with Dead or Alive. Um, I was kind of in that sort of deal where you know. I, you know, I wanted to play fighting games a little bit more often. I kind of ended up showing more of a competitive side to it. And um, originally, I just played, you know, with friends and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, there was one night where I ended up playing, and like there was a whole lobby of people in like DOA five, and like everyone was talking, 
but I was in a party chat. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm gonna, you know, turn off the party for a second. I start talking to everybody. I'm, you know, conversing, you know, we're making friends and stuff like that. So like one of the few people that, you know, I ended up making friends with, I ended up, he, he's from like the Michigan um, area. Hmm. So like I ended up meeting a lot more people from that particular area, like further on, like currently now that I, I, us I usually talk to very often. You know, shout outs to the Michigan FGC because they actually wanted me to, to come, you know, uh, eventually down there and, you know, you know, play some games. You know, I've been recently playing with, uh, you know, and teching a lot of the, the Michigan FGC and they're just like, man, you know, like, where, where do you live at? I was like, I live in California because this is when, like, the Netco kind of hit for, like, season four. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, man, it's like five bars from here. I was like, I, I can't believe it. And, you know, it's it's kind of like, I think, you know, over time when I've, you know, been in the FGC is, you know, not as long as everybody else has, but I've kind of gotten this sense of, uh, you know, more memories and more friends that, I, you know, I have ever could hope to really dream of because as a military brat, you know, most of the time I'm moving off in like a couple of years or something like that, so mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to adjust to a new environment, make new friends, and then on top of that I was shy back then. So it was kind of just like a lot of things rolled into one and it kind of, you know, it, it took a while for me to finally get out of my comfort zone. You know, I'm glad that I did with the actual like fighting game community. Mm. So I've been to like EVO almost every single year, you know, obviously with the recent events and stuff like that and the pandemic, you know, not last year. Um, originally when I first went to EVO, I, I didn't play anything. This was when um, Tekken said, like, I didn't really have, like, a game yet, because this, this is when they had a DOA as a side game. So I ended up, you know, signing up only for that that year. And then they had the Tekken 7 announcement, which was leaked. Hmm. So, like, Karada was just like, oh, snap, you know, I got to make, like, a, a trailer because, you know, it got leaked by IGN. So he ended up making a 30-second trailer. It was all in, in, in English. Mm-hmm. So like I was like I'm getting like this weird like Tekken motion picture vibes like the animated movie from like you know Kazuya and Heihachi's interactions and stuff like that and you know I've always been like a Tekken fan since you know this, from the beginning like Tekken three was like the very first fighting game that I ever touched while Spiral being the first game that I ever played in general mm. so oh, okay yeah, so I ended up owning the PS one mm. first before I you know played like the Sega Genesis I still have the Genesis. Mm. And uh, I have my Nintendo 64 still, you know, some of like uh, the older consoles before the PS1, but I ended up getting the PS1 first because, you know, they gave me for my birthday and stuff like that. So I've owned almost every single Tekken series. Um, I think 2 is the only one I don't have physically, but like almost every other Tekken I've owned physically. Oh, and oh. I wanted to have that as like some sort of collection, you know, kind of like, a, you know, a memento for like a, one of my favorite series of all time. I have to. <laughs> So obviously with the trailer and everything like that, it sparked my interest and it was like the actual first competitive game that I actually wanted to dive into in terms of like learning the game, like frame data, like mind games, learning to actually be competitive in the actual game. Because I feel like I never really took it to that level for DOA 5. It's like I was on that borderline of being competitive mentally, but like casually I was, you know, I wasn't at that level yet to, you know, compete with the best. So I figured Tekken, you know, it kind of like put two and two together. It's like Tekken 7 gets announced, you know, it, in terms of like changing the brand, in terms of, uh, you know, wanting to, to have Tekken as like my very first game that I wanted to, you know, take and like have go more in depth with. And, you know, I'm kind of uh, surprised considering the fact that like I started off, you know, four years ago up until now that the progress that I've made in terms of you know learning everything and 
you know, a lot of people have praised me for, you know, the, the amount of progress that I've achieved. And it's, it's been a long road. I've, I've gotten, I've gotten beat more times than I could count. You know, like my very first stream experience was like SCR at 2017, I believe. It mm. was against Bing Chang. Okay. So like, it was like my first time on stage, so I was, it was a mix of like excited and being nervous at the same time. So I'm like, oh, you know, I'm still kind of learning the game and I'm playing against like one of, you know, arguably one of like the, the killers in the tournament. And, you know, I got destroyed. <laughs> it was a, it was an interesting experience for me. Like I, I, I've taken the losses as like a learning experience. I never really got like too mad. I, I get mad at myself more often thinking that, you know, I can compete with these people. I don't really need necessarily look at the names per se. Like, you know, Arslan Ash or like Anakin or Jimmy J. Tran. I don't really look at the name so much. I just, you know, want to play, you know, to the best of my ability 100%. And, yeah. you know, what, you know, all I can do is all I can do. Mm -hmm. And then over time, like the, the, the year afterwards, I ended up playing Nishi from Japan. And this was more of like a, a uh, more of a closer matchup. It was still like, I'm still learning matches like, the game has like almost 50 characters now with like the inclusion of a Poland character so obviously matches is, are like the, the biggest plateau for me right now due to like each character having 100 plus moves and stuff like that so it'll, mm. it'll take a while and then getting my reactions I feel like re my reactions are another thing that I need to work on as well to be an overall better player cool. but you know it's been a, a good experience to me and you know I feel like you know, aside from like being a player and then being a commentator, kind of just seeing how far I can go with it. And you know, luckily I've I'm kind of like in the middle of uh, the new age and then the old age, kind of like in between. So I, I was able to get a lot more knowledge from some of the the old heads here locally in the area to kind of get more history and mm. you know appreciate some of the stuff back then in terms of like the arcade era and then you know kind of like working and learning on your own that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, aside from like, you know, technology's advanced so much since like the early 90s. Now you have like YouTube and all this other stuff to like, oh, see, I can I can do a combo now. I can learn all this other stuff. Otherwise, you would be researching through like different forms like the Mishima's Aibatsu shut down last year. Mm -hmm. So that was like one of the OG forms that people would go to. And I ended up going to personally for like information at first when before Tekken 7 launched. Wow. And I ended up coming in at the end of like Tag 2's life cycle. So I would pr kind of practice on Tag 2 before the game came out. Mm. But I, I realized that, you know, I talked with some of the people that, you know, knew Tekken a lot longer than me and that Tag 2 didn't really do so well in the scene. Like, I kind of looked at, like, past tournaments and it seemed like more of a side game than anything, so it wasn't a main game. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of, uh, you know, grateful that it's gotten a resurgence and, you know, you're able to put Tekken 7 out there and, you know, as like a one of the the big heads again you know along with like uh street fighter or mortal Kombat, or you know kof you know it's able to you know get more traction now than it used to be awesome okay well i um <clears throat> i started backwards i um i didn't discover martial arts gaming until later uh my mom had systems. She had console systems that were given to her from her husband. She had an Atari and she had um, a regular Nintendo and on Atari I played Pole Position 2. Mm. 
And on the Nintendo, I played Mario like everyone else until my Aunt Wendy introduced me to the greatest puzzle game in Japanese history, which was The Adventures of Lolo, which was the Iggerland series in Japan. So I didn't play martial arts games until my cousin Thabiti got his Super Nintendo, and I went to New Jersey to his house and discovered Street Fighter II there. And I was confused because the controller was different and it had four buttons and then two buttons on the side. In fact, I'm gonna take these off because I really remember doing this, you know, and I didn't, at the time, he was selecting the characters for me because I didn't, I couldn't remember the names, so I'll be like, I wanna play with the person with the blue underwears. You know, and, and that was Honda. <laughs> no, this is what this is what I said. This is what I said back then when it came home. It was released for for, for Super Nintendo, mm -hmm. and then I remember I said I want to play with you know I want to play with the guy that flies across the screen and does hot dog, you know, which was Bison, you know, and then I remember the last time. I asked BT, I said, I want to play with the yap, yap, yap girl. She says, yap, yap, yap. I don't know what she's saying. <laughs> she says, yap, 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 you know. You know, and that was Chun-Li until I was able to remember her name. <laughs> no, until I was able to remember her name. Yeah. So, like, as a kid, um, I, had, I had very little friends. I was getting bullied at school, and so video games was my comfort. And so I would play games after doing my homework, and I would memorize all the lines to my favorite TV shows, and I would memorize the lines to the video games, and I would create a spiritual connection between me and the characters on screen. And that's kind of what began, how people know me as the person who recites and sings the music and does everything with the games. I've been doing that ever since I was five years old from pole position, you know? And I was even doing all that. So I, you can say I'm a modern age person uh, from that old movie called Police Academy. <laughs> oh yeah, Josie. Josie. <laughs> You know, I, I'm basically I'm basically the I'm basically the transgender version of Jonesy, but doing that in martial art fighting games. You know, and over time, as I had to go to New Jersey to play Street Fighter, you know, I asked my mom. I said, "Yo, can you put me in martial arts school?" And, you know, I said, "I'm tired of getting beat up at school. You know, I'm getting bullied and people. You know." I was having issues with teachers and you know, do you know, kids walk up to me, boom, punch me in the face and teachers don't do anything. So I was I would ask, you know, Mom, I wanna I wanna learn how to fight like the yap 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 girl. You know, my mom said, Huh? Yeah, I wanna do this, you know, and um of course B T kinda translated for me what I was trying to say. And that's kind of how my mom put me into martial arts. So the performing arts, the martial arts, video games all came together as a triangle for me. And as I was getting better in Taekwondo, which is what she knew at the time, I was merging that with what I saw in video games and emulating that in real life until I got suspended one day at school for getting into an actual fight and doing what I actually saw from the video game, you know. And I even remember too, because um, I remember getting into a really bad fight and I was doing everything I saw from the Street Fighter 2 game. And the teacher broke up the fight, you know, and then I ran off and I jumped him and I was like, get, get, 
you know, I was doing all that. I did everything. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> <You're> crazy. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna keep it real, you know. Yeah. You know, this is exactly what I did, um, and then things just kind of snowballed from there. The game of choice back then for me was Mortal Kombat 2. I think I had I had phases with each fighting game that I was introduced to. I had a different phase for Street Fighter. It, it was Chun Li. For Mortal Kombat 2, you know, it became Katana, and I, you know, got suspended again for making um, paper fans. You know, I was, I was about to say, I hope you didn't get suspended for doing that uppercut. <laughs> that you know what you know what that didn't come later until Mortal Kombat 3 because at the time. I I tried to in sewing class in home economics in home economic class I tried to make Sindel's jacket. Mm. I tried to make her jacket with, with the bubble jacket that she wears and the, the neckline and all of that, and it just looked like a vest with a ripped hole. Oh no. <laughs> um, and, and yes, you know it. <sighs> It was so bad because when I when I did have an altercation with one of the students who was bothering me at the sewing machine, I we really did have a tussle on the ground, you know, and of course the teacher breaks up the fight and then I'm standing there and then I go, ah, ah, I do the fucking scream like sit down for everything. <laughs> I did that. You know, and then I actually, I actually ran up to the actually ran. The name of the, the name of the bully. The name of the bully. His name was Dicto Castillo. Dicto Castillo. It sounds like a character from Star Wars. He was. He was. Dicto Castillo. I have, you know, I have a photogenic memory, so you know, oh, he, was, he was Puerto Rican, and I did everything, no, so you know, no, and at the time, that was my phase at the time, so, you know, like the run button, I really did, uh, you know, I actually did the run button, uh, I did all of that, if I was caught on camera, if, I swear to God, if I was caught on camera, if I could caught on camera back in the day, it, you know, the, the, the live action phase of that part of my life ended with Orchid of Killer Instinct when I I was doing cartwheels outside because I wanted to do backflips, you know. That stuff didn't change professionally until I actually had real training to do that stuff. But, you know, the kid stuff ended with Orchid from Killer Instinct, but I would say my highlight in competitive gameplay came from really Street Fighter 3 in 96 because um, I was so excited that Capcom put their first black female in a game. Mm -hmm. And God, she was whack. But, you know, I played with her um, because Chun-Li wasn't there. I was upset that she wasn't there. But I said, they finally put an African woman in the game. And she's not angry, you know? So I'm like, <laughs> they, right, you right. know, every time they put, like, uh, one of us in a video game, we're angry, we're disgruntled, we're uneducated. And, you know... Right. You know, uh, I would say the Japanese, as I got more introspective as I got older, I see how the Japanese was handling their video games. And, you know, uh, Elena, the, the first black female of Street Fighter is from Kenya, which was colonized by England at one time. So they had um, different, they had a British education, which why I see why they did what they did with her character in the game. And then Dudley? 
Huh? And Dudley's from England. Yeah. You know, he's British. He's British black. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. so you know he's educated. He's refined. You know, he's from. He's, thank you. Which is actually what they did to to to, to weed out the stereotype of black people in martial arts gaming. Mm -hmm. You know, so with Alayda, uh, I stuck with her all those years as they updated the engine to Street Fighter Three on the CPS Three up into Third Strike. So by the time Third Strike came out, I was doing things in tournaments that. At the for the first time, I was getting recognized because I was only recognized as this is the nerd that plays the game that makes the noises, and he's good, but we don't understand him. He's an anomaly. But you know, it wasn't until Street Fighter Three came out, Elena kind of changed all of that mm -hmm. for me. While I'm still doing the craft to this very day, as people see on camera, mm -hmm. it's now. I'm not the video game nerd that has Down syndrome, you know, I'm now, oh wow, he is the performing artist and you're going to get the show while I'm playing the game because he's totally in sync. And I remember the best, I think the best commentary I ever got was when I got second for the Fighting EX Layer tournament mm -hmm. at... Um, Jabali's tournament in Florida CEO. as CEO mm -hmm. because it was Jayuna uh, who was commentating and I heard him as he was commentating he was like you, you should see Cookie now he's totally in sync with Hokuto he's singing the music and he's saying all the stuff with the character and he's winning it's fun watching you play Cookie yeah. so it's he, very fun. he actually put it in the light I always wanted it to be if only that could have been said back when it mattered when Mortal Kombat 2 came out in 93 you know but hey I'll take it now now that I'm 36 and I'm no longer 10 right yeah, yeah, I know the origin. I was like, you know, he usually <laughs> does the performing arts and stuff, but I never really knew the story behind it. Now I'm, I know how you yeah. that's how all of assimilate, that. <laughs> fully assimilated to every single character that you like enjoy. Now, so, okay, no. So, and each and with each game, I have someone special that I connect to. So, you know, for you in Tekken, it's always been Anna Williams, and Marvel, it's Psylocke, and SNK, it's Vice, and, and King, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah. So that's that's my story. Still playing to today. So, okay, your turn, Kitty. Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honestly, honestly, I relate to you so much with your story because I was bullied as well. I wanted to learn martial arts because I grew up watching Hong Kong cinema, Jackie Chan and Jean Claude Van Damme, mm -hmm. and so I wanted. I was always like tugging on my dad's sleeve, being like, Dad, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do those kicks. <laughs> Okay, you're eight yeah. right now, so let's wait till you're a little older. And then as I got older, again, not too many friends, and then my best friends moved away. I really didn't have anybody. I was always playing my Sega. I was always playing Nintendo, you know, um, getting bullied a lot. And um, as I got older into high school, it got worse. But, you know, what did I have? I had, you know, the power of anime and fighting games on my side. And mm. I fell in love with watching um, these animes based off of fighting games that I'd be playing in the bowling alley or in the arcades or James games because that was the most popular place that was around us. And um, I found Fatal Fury. 
I found, you know, I, I found uh, King of Fighters, Fatal Fury, and I fell in love with Mai as much as I fell in love, you know, with the Darkstalkers. You know, you had Morgan, you had Felicia, this happy cat girl. I'm like, they are parts of my personality that I just love. And the same with Cookie. I would, you know, do their poses, you know, try to do their hairstyles, you know, for Halloween. I'm not even going to show atrocious outfits I tried and failed at making, especially, and there are people who are waiting for these blackmail photos, and you will never find them. You will never find them. <laughs> so anyways, but um, before, you know, and this was in the late 90s, and I'm just a kid, you know, trying to mm. cosplay. I did not know what cosplay was. I did not know the word at all. It was mm. until 2001. I debuted as my Shiranui, and again, this is one reason I love SNK so much. I would not have my career if it wasn't for my. If it wasn't for SNK, I would not have the almost 20 years of cosplay, filming, and gaming I have. I know people boast that they're 10 year this and that. I'm like, honey, I was at like E3 in 1999. Where were you? Like, okay, I'm gonna boast 20 year if you're gonna boast 10 year in the FGC. I dreamed like, about seriously. that stuff from the East Coast. And, and you know, I saw E3 in EGM magazines. They did coverage. And mm. I'm just like, Dad, I, I want to go here. Just as much as I said, Dad, I want to learn martial arts. And it wasn't until I was getting bullied really bad in my teenage years that you know, he put me in Shotokan Karate. Funny enough, he did the whole, like, uh, computer systems for this dojo. This dojo was sick as all hell. It was so cool. It was a Shotokan um, dojo, just like Ken and Ryu. It was Shotokan. And um, they also did different martial arts afterwards. And it was a two-story dojo. And then where you trained was a wooden floor that was surrounded by a Japanese fence and you had a bow when you entered and everything like you were going into a temple or something. It was amazing. Um, the guy really liked my dad, so he's just like, hey, you and your daughter want to train here, you know, for, for years, you know, down the road, go for it. So I'm just like, all right, awesome. I went into Shotokan because I'm like, I'm going to be like Ken. I love Ken. And beat the shit out of people who are bullying me. I'm to protect myself like Ken. Right. So, I hate this class. I'm just doing this and horse dances for 45 minutes. How am I going to do this when someone comes at me? Like, no. I need something more. Something more effective than this. And then the kickboxers came. The Muay Thai fighters would come in after the MMA, the kickboxers, the Muay Thai fighters would come in after the Shotokan class was done. Mm. And they came in, they started training, they started beating the shit out of bags, you know. They're going at it with each other, and I'm just like, this is what I want. This is what I've always wanted. This is the favorite anime characters that I love that are beating the crap out of people and saving the day and stuff like that. So I decided to become a Muay Thai kickboxer. And, um... It was great. There is one scene in the Fatal Fury uh, OAVs where Terry's drunk off his ass. Surprise, surprise. And he gets into a fight and someone punches him in the face. And he just stays there and takes it and looks at the guy and smiles. And I had um, my moment like that when I was sparring with one of my um, senseis. Mm. And that's how I learned how to take a punch. So when a girl tried to take a punch at me in high school, 
I was just, my guard was already up, and I just moved back and decked her back with <laughs> Jared. Yeah. Straight bust a little buster her lip. <laughs> and then the fight was over. So it's just like, thank you, Fatal Fury Anatomy and Martial Arts. And, you know, later on, I decided, you know, people told me all the time there's this thing called Comic Con. Back then, there was only one Comic Con, it was San Diego Comic Con. Everyone else was a different name, okay? Nobody always just put Comic Con at the end of your convention. So they're like, you really need to go to this, you'd fit right in, you would love it. They they have like all the stuff that you buy, you know, you know, they have the figures and everything you should go. So um, that's how I broke out into cosplay. Hmm. We did Capcom versus S and K. It was my ex at the time, he was Yun and I was Mai. And we did a whole fight choreography on the stage. Back then there was a ton of bias um, at the convention where anything fighting game or anything anime hardly ever got awards unless it was mainstream. Mm. So there, but it was okay because we won over the crowd. I even did Mai's pose where she pulls her tails away and turns and does a cute pose with her umbrella when she, you know, wins. And I did that in the beginning of our fight. So, yes, I showed my ass and my thong to the entire crowd and they <laughs> lost their shit. <laughs> Ever since then, my... That, and this is before social media, you guys, all right? There was no social media. There was no websites. There was, like, nothing, okay? You were lucky to get, like, two forums, and I was on them for cosplay. <laughs> so um, that's how my career exploded. They're like, this chick is like my in real life, all right? She's Nippon Iching. She's throwing the fan. She's doing the taunt. She's catching it. She knows mm. martial arts. She's kicking all over the place as my, oh, my God. And... Um, this is what I feel the Vice documentary missed. Again, we're mm -hmm. talking about all the aspects that make this community. I refused to watch the documentary because I saw it was top players. Congrats to the top players. I like that made it in there. But there's so much more to the rest of us. You're, you're missing out of, of the grassroots, you know, the, the thing that holds us together as a cosplay community. And that's also as cosplayers because... As much as I have these stories and I'm telling you of how I got into it, martial arts and all these fighting games, I would go to E3 all the time. I would play amongst people. I didn't know they were pros or not. They're beating my ass, but it didn't matter because I was enjoying being there and playing these fighting games and dressing up as these characters. Mm -hmm. And um, I have like... And this is another thing Vice has done, you know, I believe they've skimmed over cosplay, they've skimmed over the furry community a little bit, but they're not getting into the depths of like the people who pioneered and paved the way for cosplay today to be a mainstream word. For Sonic Fox is down on the plateau that he's on right now. So here's one thing mm. I want to show you guys. You guys want to talk history, you want to talk being a famous cosplayer before there ever was such a thing on social media? This is Ikitosen. This is a collector's box of one of the manga of Ikitosen. Um, there's a figure that comes in this box, and then it's this volume right here. I'm in this volume. The creator of Ikitosen met me as Kanu, one of his characters, main characters, in this book right here. And I actually got to meet him at Comic-Con in 2006, back in the golden day of cosplay and comic conventions before Hollywood butted in and they just went corporate. And when you could still reach your hands out like this in a full costume and nobody would hit you at Comic-Con. That's like 
nobody mm. nobody even knows about those days because we're all like this trying to get in but anyways so 2006 i met the creator he came from japan and i was ecstatic and he documented him meeting me and how it was like his character came to life to get her weapon autographed by him and he was just like how surreal is this and um, in the back of these mangas they actually you know draw like certain uh, little comics about like what's going on in their life and such um, if you guys don't know who Kanu is and this was one of my signature cosplays just like my mm. people knew me as because I was a cosplayer who always did fighting games and martial art this is Kanu Uncho from Ikitosin. Oh yeah, that's that the second season, Dragon yes. Destiny. So, back here, in this book, let me get to the page without messing it up. Here is the chibi comic he did of us meeting each other. <laughs> and he describes in Japanese, you know, him, me walking up to him, putting the blade next to him, and being like, Oh, Senpai, will you please autograph my blade? And, you know, I was like, sign good as I. And we had a grand old time talking. Uh, his, like, marketing team took a bunch of pictures of us. And um, that was just one of the awesome stories I have as a cosplayer, you know, with history, with actual history of cosplay and these conventions. And I've been very lucky to meet some of my heroes. He was one of them. But, you know, as much as they say these cosplayers are famous and popular nowadays, I'm sorry, I haven't seen you in a manga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got him. Yeah. I, I, I haven't seen you kiss Tetsuya, Tetsuya Nomura on the cheek or him call you Tifa. And I haven't seen you guys in mangas and stuff. And I even was on TV for years before other cosplayers had these cheesy reality shows or you know did anything I was on G4 multiple times I just like you know there are DVDs like I said for me on sale at Tower Records and Suncoast so um, I really feel like people nowadays they do these so-called documentaries you guys are missing the most important parts of history is with the people who have these good stories to tell and we're in the FGC and we're in the cosplay community, and we're mm. the ones that pioneered this nerdy way of life that is now mainstream, that mm. Marvel got a hold of, and that mm -hmm. Hollywood got a hold of, but mm. this was ours. This was ours first. Right. And even though my popularity isn't even as big as it was in the early 2000s, I would not take back all of the wonderful memories I have, all of the amazing E3s I got to enjoy, and everything when it was great and it was whole, before you know everything just turned corporate marketing and mainstream mm -hmm. so y'all need to come see us for your next documentaries with the FGC and the stories and where people came from because this stuff is gold and we're the people to tell these stories so y'all missing out because I got a good Final Fantasy one and I also have a good one about meeting Stephen Chow so I'll save those for other episodes for later <laughs> well, Hey Cookie before you conclude before you jump in one last thing we got to touch on that's super important in this topic that, sure. that Kitty uh, just touched on. I'm not going to go fully into it this episode, but it's not just about the cosplay community. It's not just about the transgender community. It's about the community of people of color. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. The Vice documentary didn't go into that. 
I want to give a shout out to one person who pioneered all the fighting game community for people of color is Jason Isaiah Cole. Mm -hmm. Jason Afro Cole, two-time yes. world champion for yes. Street Fighter II Turbo, my big brother, one of my senseis and mentors. He he broke the barrier. He did. Early on in the fighting game community, before the boom of Instagram, before the boom of social media, before esports came, he was the first black champion of Evo and of the world. Two time of the world. Okay? Let's graduate a little further. So congratulations to Cole to doing that. Also, may I may I I'm gonna add to that because that is very true. Also Ryan Hart of England. Yeah. You know, he's African American, but well actually he's African English, so he's from mm -hmm. England. But mm -hmm. also he actually broke the barrier for uh, also showcasing that we can be in the Guinness World Book of Records. I was just mm -hmm. gonna say he mm -hmm. has and also, Guinness Records, yes. Um, multiple times in Guinness World Book of Records, but mm -hmm. what's also most importantly which people kind of graze over but don't know he fluently speaks Japanese mm -hmm. and he commentates in Japanese f fluently and English and translates between the two I like when he does his intermediary commentary where the Japanese are talking fully in their language mm -hmm. and he's in the middle and he's translating in English for everyone to hear what they're saying in Japanese right and I don't. like that and he's a person of color he's one of us you know and they don't talk about that mm -hmm. and they don't even you know CNN did their own recent documentary of him which yeah. it was quite worthy of his own documentary but it would have been nice to actually also include him in the Vice documentary as well and other stuff yeah. and they just kind of like as if he didn't yeah, exist at all. Enough research. Yeah. And, and that's the, yeah. those that's, are the things that thing. that's the thing yeah. that kind of bothered me about the uh, documentary it's you know no mentioning of Jason Cole two-time world champion who's a uh, African-American person mm -hmm. um, let's go forward they glamorize punk they glamorize smug these new players mm -hmm. um, who have barely the same amount of accolades as these players who played in the era when it was way harder to win. There and haven't no finished school. At I, least the ones from our era now, finished school. Now, now hear me out. <laughs> I'm, not knocking, I'm, these, no, I'm not knocking these new players of color who are doing these amazing things. They're the new pioneers of it in the new generation. Yeah. But let's, before we get out of here, touch upon a couple people in this room. Mm -hmm. Cookie can't be ignored. Cookie is the champion of CEO Street Fighter 3 Third Strike reigning right now and is a top eight EVO medalist of 2019, the last EVO. I, I'm holding well, two titles. I have the title of NEC, CBS2. I have the title of Final Round, well, you know, uh, the I, title of a major, plus I have two EVO medals, second place in the world and fifth place in the world at EVO. These are things that they don't want to talk about. They're going to kind of glance over that and those well, are big things. Well, to be honest I I don't really look at my my wins as important because what I know for you your wins are important and I and I hope you get to the status where you want to be in this community for me my big win will be when I become the Eartha Kitt and the Josephine Baker of the FGC that's what I want which is of something different Eartha Kitt you know spoke God. spoke four languages sang in six you know she was a performing artist of her pioneer and I want to take that concept mm -hmm. and bring that performing arts of martial arts to that community so when you right. see me finally on the stage doing that mm -hmm. in Japan and doing that then I will have gained what I really have wanted you right. know I don't really play the game to be the best
Mm -hmm. I play the game to get that spiritual connection and mm -hmm. to manifest it in real time on stage, right. which the Japanese understand that, mm -hmm. which is how I made that Japanese f girlfriend mm -hmm. from Japan when we played Samurai Spirits. Right. She understood that. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a fun time. I wish I got her name. Dope. You know, that she was, you know, we laughed the whole way through like we had so much fun and she didn't look at me weird. In fact, none of them did. Right. But thank you. But these are just things that can't be ignored. Yes, you may not want the glory. Yes, you may not want all that, the title, but you are the champion of CEO, which is one of the hardest majors to win in the whole U.S., as well as, you know, placing well at um, combo breakers and everywhere else you fought in. Those are things that can't be ignored. Those are medals and accolades and titles you have earned. So these are things that Vice needs to touch on. And it's not just with us. There's several other people in the community who are Latino champions, other um, mm -hmm. um, champions besides Japan who are of the Asian nationality, mixed champions, white champions, every race. It doesn't matter. Um, um, Middle Eastern and Persian champions um, of different games yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So, and, and, and like Latif and all these other great players, you know, and Arslan Ash and all these players from yeah. other countries, Pakistan and stuff. Well, it sounds, like, stuff. it sounds like the depth of this is more than the documentary. It needs to be a docu-series. It yeah. needs to have series yeah. and different yeah. episodes for different right. different one genres for of it. Plays, yeah. One for cosplays, one for top mixed player. martial arts. The yeah. history is based off of these fighting games. I mean, yeah. there, mm -hmm. it, yeah. it, it needs to be said. It needs to be showcased because we're we're living in this day and age, and people still don't understand esports. Mm -hmm. You know. It's not mainstream yet. They're trying to make it there. They're trying to get there, but you know, yeah, know the history before yeah. exactly before things could become mainstream, just right. like cosplay did. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know the backgrounds. They don't know the history. You know, they're just like, oh, this is a cool new thing now, and and that's it. Yeah. And, uh, and well, well, they're going all that lost in translation. They're going with those. Up. They're going with those that are currently in power that are running some of the bigger tournaments. Yes. And of course, they're running their own agenda of rewriting history in their own image. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm doing what I'm doing here, right? Mm -hmm. So that we can help offset that. And that's where we'll leave it because when we pick back up at this, this is a part story that won't end here. Mm -hmm. We have so oh. many little pieces of that, and hopefully, between you, I, and other um, mm -hmm. we jump and, on in. the fighting yes. game historians, yeah. yes. we can we can paint a more full picture for people to go find the truth with because the truth will often not be televised, mm -hmm. and that's just the way it goes. Mm -hmm. All those right. Are, those are wise words and true, but uh, once again, this is why I like doing this with mm -hmm. you guys. This is why the subjects we said that we were going to talk about that people choose not to. This is what it's all about right here and right now. So, and I'm very grateful for this team and that we have this re this rich deep depth of knowledge and history with mm -hmm. everything that makes the community. Yeah, I'm giving recognition where it's due. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, thank you. I think this was a fulfilling, uh, wow, this was a fulfilling talk. Final episode for the day. Something like that, right? Right. Okay, well, thank you guys for tuning in to the Strike First Gaming Show. I think we went way over time, but I look forward to seeing you in our next episode. Thank you for watching us. Peace. Peace.